Hey, this is Bryce. I'm Ella. And we're starting a new podcast called You Learn Something New. And uh, we're going to be talking about Dreadnought today, specifically the Battleship Texas. And uh, just some different things about the ship. And hopefully you learn something new. Or hopefully you learn something you've never heard of before. I know, I'll definitely learn something new because I know nothing about it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, she does not care for history too much, but I, I love history. No, I mean, so, like, history's fine. I just didn't learn it. Like, I didn't understand it. You were like most people in school. You didn't, yeah. you didn't care for history. Uh, it's because history. the teachers didn't explain it the way that you do, which well, I like history, the way you do it. History teachers do it the way the schools tell them to do it, not the way that it should be taught, which is a little more interesting. So, Battleship Texas uh, was a uh, New York-class battleship. The first New York-class battleship, technically, as the New York wasn't built until a couple months afterwards. The ship itself carried uh, 10 14-inch guns and an assortment of 5-inchers. Five, 5 what? 5-inch guns. So oh. that would be the diameter mm. of the uh, the barrel. Uh, the ship, the 14-inch guns could, or, yeah, 14-inch guns could fire uh, 14... 100 pound shells at about 13 miles, which was impressive for 1914 standards. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, now, pretty much ships like the Iowa and uh, Wisconsin classes that came afterwards, uh, not very impressive. But with a ship that is now, as of today, 110 years old, that's not bad. It's also still uh, standing. Yes, it's the only dreadnought still standing and was the first battleship to start the tradition of keeping battleships and other ships as historical ships. Hmm. Um, specifically the first battleship, because there was the uh, USS Constitution, which is much older. But it's no longer standing? No, it is. I believe oh. I believe it is. Okay. I'll have to look that one up, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but yeah, so she was a New York, ba- New York class battleship that was launched was launched I believe 1912 Mm -hmm. Uh, yes so 1912 she was launched and was sponsored by Miss Claudia Lyon which is the daughter of Colonel Lyon um, who's a very important person in the Republican Party in Texas uh, which was not did not make people in Congress and the president happy because both of them were Democrats Uh, but then also on top of that another issue so this this ship had a lot of controversy when it was launched First, it was uh, sponsored by a Republican's daughter with a Democratic Congress and president. Mm-hmm. And the Temperance Union uh, asked for a bottle of champagne to not be used. The Temperance Union was a female, mostly female, uh, union against alcohol use. Mm. Uh, they used the bottle of champagne. They didn't care. <laughs> uh, but, so yeah, the ship did have a lot of controversy when it was first launched, but not, I mean... Nothing. It was just a bunch of politics. Uh, the ship was commissioned uh, two years later in 1914 and was captained by Albert W. Grant. Oh, I looked it up and it's still... Okay, in. so it is still standing? Yes. Okay. The uh, Constitution. Yes. Uh, so after she was launched, uh, she saw didn't see much action until... Uh, she saw a little bit of action in Mexico after some uh, Mexican Navy detained some soldiers, but... Not much until the First World War, uh, where she was then assigned to mostly escort. She didn't see much combat in World War One uh, or the Great War, 
uh, though her 5-inch gun crew, which was reassigned to the USS Mongolia troop transport, did fire the first shots of the war, of American shots. Hmm. Uh, during the 19, 1925 to 1927, that was about two years, she had a complete overhaul, complete redo of her entire design. They added anti-aircraft guns and... Well, I believe they added anti-aircraft guns. That could have been later. But I know they added uh, new oil oil fire burners. And they changed out the torpedoes. So she was a battleship that was uh, able to fire torpedoes. Though they got rid of that and instead got torpedo blisters, which were used as just empty shells. Like they were a little shell attached to the side of the ship that were empty so if the torpedo did hit, it wouldn't actually hit the main hull. Why did they change it? Because uh, torpedoes weren't very necessary for a battleship, mm -hmm. a capital ship. Okay. They had destroyers and cruisers that were more capable. Uh, they had torpedo cruisers and tor destroyers, which were more readily usable for uh, torpedoes, which were mostly for anti-capital ship warfare. Mm -hmm. you got a capital ship fighting another ca capital ship, you're not worried about, your torpedoes aren't facing forward. You're doing broadsides. Mm, okay. So you got your, your whole side to the enemy. Though, typically you don't want to do that because... I mean, you have a long, wide position that they can hit. Granted, they have the same thing, but if you had straight on an enemy, you have a more narrow position, though they have more guns firing. It was kind of more of a give and take mm -hmm. with stuff like that. But uh, after the whole remodel, which did include an aircraft catapult, the USS Texas was the first aircraft or first battleship to have a aircraft launch from its deck. Battleship mm -hmm. only. Of course, we had carrier, uh, basic carriers, I mm -hmm. think, going on at that time, or at least the idea of them. And the British did launch an aircraft from a battleship a couple of years before, mm -hmm. though this was the first American battleship to launch an aircraft. Okay. Can I ask a um, yeah, which question? Um, so, when they were in battle, did they shoot from, like, were they facing each other, or were they side? Like, one ship... Depends on the ship, but yes, usually okay. with battleships, they would be a broadside. Their, their side. Have you heard of the term, you couldn't hit the broadside of a barn? No. No. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, so the idea was, is you were so bad at shooting, you couldn't hit the entire length of a barn. You mm -hmm. would miss the whole broadside. Broadside would be the entire side of the ship. All guns could point. Well, all main guns could point. Mm -hmm. Your secondary guns, you would have usually half on one side, and so let's say you had 20 uh, secondary uh, guns. Mm -hmm. Only 10 would be able to fire. Typically. Now, as they got more modernized, they were able to put more universal guns on, but, I mean, with the design of these ships and how they're still designed today, only your main cannons will ever always be able to face and you're both broadsides. Now, your back cannon obviously won't be able to face your front. Yeah. Or your aft cannon won't be able to face your uh, forward. Mm -hmm. Your forward cannon won't be able to face your aft. That is just how it is. Aft? A-F-T. A-F-T. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, going into World War II, the USS Texas saw a lot more combat. Actually, going back to 1927 to like 1930-something. Uh, the 1931, the USS Texas was the flagship of the entire U.S. fleet. Mm -hmm. uh, but going into 1941, uh, much like the original World War, uh, the Great War, she provided mostly escorts to convoys doing routes from the Atlantic to, uh, across the Atlantic, mm -hmm. going to, you know, the British Isles, Gibraltar, and all that. 
though she then would see serv she did see service at all three major theaters of the war. Uh, Africa, North Africa, I don't know if she saw anything south of Africa, but Africa, Europe, and the Pacific. She's the only U.S. ship that survived and that served in all of the, uh, all theaters. Really? And I believe she's also the only U.S. ship, period, to serve in all theaters. Uh, I read that on a couple articles, but I also read, I didn't see it on a lot, so it's possible that that could be a little misconstruing. Okay. Uh, during the uh, campaign in Africa, Operation uh, Torch, what's that I'm trying to find? Uh, she, why is that, that's Normandy, where's Operation, there it is, Operation Torch, sorry. Operation Torch, uh, she served at the, pa uh, the Battle of Port Luita, I really should have looked up how to pronounce these. <laughs> uh, she served in that battle, uh, broadcasting messages of freedom. Uh, through her radio, which she did in, I know for sure, Europe and Africa. I'm not sure if she did that in the Pacific, though it might have not been, they might have seen it as ineffective, so they might have not done it. Hmm. Um, then she would go and prepare for the invasion of Normandy. And she would help at the attack of Omaha, specifically at Port de Hook, where she fired 250 14-inch shells in a matter of 34 minutes. That's about seven-ish shells a minute. Holy moly, guacamole. Uh, and it totaled to about a, uh, about 979,000 pounds of ammunition fired. Hmm. Uh, there's a famous story actually during D-Day, which I believe I told you before, just because it's a pretty famous story about the Texas, where the German forces were too far inland, so she actually moved deep or closer to the shore. I believe she was the closest ship to the shore of D-Day during D-Day. And that still wasn't enough because this was a almost 40-year-old ship at the time. Mm -hmm. you know? So technically, I think she might have been closer to 30 years old, but she was an old ship. Yeah. Uh, she actually filled her blister tank mm -hmm. to tilt the ship and increase the angle of her guns by two degrees, which was enough to get her to hit all of her targets. Huh. Uh... On top of that, uh, after serving at in Normandy, she would then go and fight against the cannon or the uh, the guns of Hamburg, which was a pretty much as an artillery match between the Texas and the uh, two hundred. It was uh, the Texas versus some of the German guns, some of the Ger German artillery guns, huge mm -hmm. giant artillery guns that would that were trying to hit the Texas. And the Texas was trying to hit them. Uh, the Texas would then be hit two times. One that uh, hit and exploded on the uh, bridge of the ship, mm -hmm. killing one person and injuring a couple of, a couple more. Uh, that would be the first time the Texas would be hit, and then the second time it, the Texas ever got hit would be the last. Uh, mm -hmm. She was hit a second time. And the round went into the side of the hole, ending up in one of the junior officer's quarters. Mm -hmm. uh, it did not explode, and what they did is they covered up with mattresses, and during this whole time, the Texas never stopped firing. When they had something on their ship that could possibly blow up? Yep, they just covered it with mattresses and kept going. Did it ever blow up? Nope. They really? disarmed it, and it's actually on, at least when I last went to battle to Texas, which you know was a long time ago. Yeah. I mean, we 2007. Well, I'm talking yeah. about when we could go on the yeah. ship. 
Which I think you can now, like, once they reopen it. No, they uh, they have it for dry dock visits. Which uh, I would assume they probably took out all the memorabilia yeah. out of the ship while they're doing repairs. I tried to get a hold of them and try to talk to them, see if I can learn some, something more. But they're, I'm assuming, busy yeah. <laughs> trying to fix the ship. Yeah. But, uh, they have the shell on the ship. That really? Did, that did not explode, yeah. That's cool. They have something similar in the Yorktown. I think it was actually the shell that, yeah, it fell and actually, it was a bomb that fell onto the uh, deck of hmm. the uh, Yorktown. It's actually at the Yorktown. I don't remember seeing it, though. Uh, yeah, no, it was there. Is it a big metal case? Or not metal, big glass case. I'll have to go there again yeah. to see it. Um, one thing that was interesting, I forgot to mention during 1920, the 1927 uh, rebuild mm-hmm. that she had, the reason they did a rebuild instead of building a new ship, because at that point she was 10 years old, I think, right? Yeah, 10 years old, and now going on 20. Instead of building a new ship, uh, they decided to upgrade her because of the naval treaties that were going on, the post-World, uh, post-Great World Navy treaties, mm-hmm. the London Treaty and the uh, Washington Treaty. Uh, they did this, they did these treaties because they didn't want to have another Great War. They were eliminating everything to try to prevent the Great War. Uh, you could see it as it really kind of caused the Second World War to be as bad as it was because everyone was kind of disarmed except for the people who decided to not follow it. Japan, Germany, not really Italy. They were still more of a rural country trying to prepare for a war. Mm-hmm. Um, but Germany was building the Bismarck. I don't know exactly when they started the Bismarck, but I do know they were building it at some point. And that ship went heavily against the London Navy Treaty, Naval Treaty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they limited on the size of the ship, the classes of ship, how big they could be, how much the displacement was, how many guns they could have, how big the guns could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of all that, they said, all right, we won't build the Texas replacement that they were planning to build. They scrapped the plans and instead of did a two-year modernization of the Battleship Texas. Hmm. Adding all the stuff we talked about earlier. So basically the ship that's standing now is the, the one that's, sh- that's been that was first built. They never like rebuilt it. It is the original ship, yes. Okay. But they did do a, moder- a heavy modernization. Yeah. So it went from having coal burners to oil fire burners. And it's also its superstructure, the two the uh, two towers that are on it, very different than what it looked like before, because mm-hmm. they did a tripod uh, mast instead of, uh, I can't remember what kind of mast they did before that, but they had a different style of mast beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, during uh, after her time in Normandy, she would then go to have a short break before heading to... Uh, uh, Iwo and then after Iwo Jima, a fight in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, she would go to Iwo Jima and begin a three-day shelling of the southwestern part of the island before uh, she would depart for her final battle at Okinawa. During the battle at Okinawa, Texas would fire 2,019 14-inch shells and 2,645-inch shells. Hmm. Uh, that's just from the Texas firing. May I ask where they all, like, stored? So, actually, so the Texas actually had to go back for rearmament. To rearm three separate times. Gotcha. Um, so they would have, they usually would have ships that had the ammo, food, supplies, medical, Mm -hmm. uh, so the the ships 
Because this was like a 52-day bombardment. Yeah. Uh, Okinawa and Iwo Jima were very, very tough battles for because during the island-hopping campaign that the U.S. did to push Japan back, which then ultimately led to the choice between should we invade the uh, islands or should we nuke it, which we also didn't know what a nuke was. We knew we made it, we just didn't know what it was. Yeah. Um, so we had those choices, but... That's a, that's a time. That's a different podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but after the Battle of Okinawa, uh, the Texas would then depart for home, where the U.S. would find for the first time would change its idea of how to decommission battleships. Usually, they would scrap them. The USS North Carolina, the first American battleship, would be scrapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, same with every other. Well, the USS South Carolina was a dreadnought. Uh, she would be scrapped along with every other dreadnought to ever leave production in the world, except for the Texas. Mm. Well, yeah. except for the uh, dreadnought that were sunk, which I don't know which ones were, if any. I know battleships very rarely encountered each other. Usually battleships would have been taken out by uh, destroyers mm-hmm. in the few battleships that I know of that got sunk, or aircraft in the case of the uh, Yamato, which was... Sunk by aircraft. Yeah, I was just about to ask, wasn't like they were in battle, they had not just ships, but they had like. Yeah, they had destroyers, they had aircraft carriers, destroyers, uh, cruisers, submarines, or U boats, um, and then a couple other like smaller classes like landing craft, troop transport, uh, the ice cream ship. Ice cream? Yeah, we'll talk about that one another day. Uh, But yes, there's an ice cream. There's an ice cream boat that was a. yeah, yeah, so the U.S., you know, I'll tell a little bit about it. So the U.S. had yeah, some really? ships I'm that, curious. I, was like, that what? I would have to do a little bit more research to know a little bit more about it. I just know the story of it. The U.S. had some ships, and to help boost morale, um, these ships were used, converted to ice cream ships. They would make ice cream on these ships and serve it to the Marines. So it's like an ice cream truck, but... A what? giant ship <laughs> for a bunch of Marines. That's cool. That's really cool. So the Marines would, uh, this was also a big middle finger to Japan, that Japan was barely surviving. Japan really wasn't doing too well, economically. Uh, even their people in the homeland weren't eating well. Whereas I, whereas the Marines of the opposing army was having ice cream. They're like, y'all are over here struggling, we are giving our people ice cream. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so... So the Texas would then depart home, and then the U.S. would change their idea of how to decommission battleships, and instead give the option to the states to buy battleships that were named after them. So Texas was the state to say yes, and I believe it was the only state at the time to say yes, mm-hmm. because they had not decommissioned the Iowa or Old Whiskey or any of the other battleships mm-hmm. yet. And so the Texas was bought by the state of Texas. And would become the first memorial ship and the only dreadnought to still be standing. That is why she's known as the last dreadnought. Though, if we want to get technical, she is a super dreadnought. Uh, she was the first super dreadnought. Super dreadnoughts were just dreadnoughts that were bigger, meaner, faster. Powerful. Yes. They when she was finished being built, she was the most powerful weapon on earth. Hmm. Um the uh, so she, a couple first besides being the first permanent battleship museum, she was the first New York class battleship built, first battleship mounted with anti aircraft guns, first American battleship to launch aircraft, and one of the first to have 
uh, working U.S. radar. Now, was the USS Texas one of the ships that got ice cream? No, no, that <laughs> no? was that was for the Marines. And, but oh. U.S. Texas—that's uh, another first. The U.S. Texas was the first to have Marines stationed on the ship, first battleship to have uh, Marines stationed. I don't know if it was the first ship. Period. Um, but I do want to say some of my sources for this episode would uh, be Battleship Texas Foundation, uh, www.history.naval.mil. BattleshipTexas.info and NationalWorldWar2Museum.org, which is the National uh, World War II Museum in New Orleans. And I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a great day. Bye!